0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast feed of Liberty Church Mainline, where we seek to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus for Philadelphia's historic mainline and surrounding communities. Every week, we look again to the story of the Bible, the lavish grace of God revealed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church, check out our website, libertymainline.org. Good evening. It's good to see you. Pastor Matt here at Christ, uh, sorry, at Liberty Mainline. I invite you now as we gather together to reflect on God's word. To follow along as I read from 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 1 through 6. This is the living word of the living God. May he give us understanding of it. Since, therefore, Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same intention, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has finished with sin, so as to live for the rest of your earthly life, no longer by human desires, but by the will of God. You have already spent enough time in doing what the Gentiles like to do, Living in licentiousness, passions, drunkenness, revels, carousing, and lawless idolatry. They are surprised that you no longer join them in the same excesses of dissipation, and so they blaspheme. But they will have to give an accounting to him who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was proclaimed even to the dead, so that though they have been judged in the flesh, as everyone is judged, they might live in the spirit, as God does. Tonight, we observe together Ash Wednesday. It's the beginning of the season of Lent, and the contemporary Anglican theologian and professor Esau McCauley has written in a recent book on Lent that Lent is inescapably about repenting. Repentance is a word that probably sounds a little archaic to some of us, It might sound like the stuff of fire and brimstone sermons that are best left in centuries past. Not many people now will tell us to repent. Instead, they will make other appeals to us. So politicians will say, what's wrong with the world is that other guy, so vote for me. Or uh, advertising doesn't want you to change, it wants you to acquire. Life is too short to clean your house you're not a slob, you just have better things to do. So sign up for our service. One uh, preacher wrote into a local newspaper and it was actually the religion and spirituality section and yet the editor of that section uh, sent his submission back saying that he had used the word repent and you have to understand that our readers will simply not understand what you're talking about. We may use the word repentance, we may not use it in many everyday conversations But we certainly demand or expect the practice or the idea from many people. Some of us want our friends to repent. You need to break up with that no good boyfriend. Some of us want athletes to repent. You need to come clean on uh, the things you're using to assist your performance. Many of us want politicians and leaders to repent of their decisions and policies. Some of us want CEOs to repent of their salaries or bonuses, especially when their companies are failing and they are firing employees. After our favorite team loses, sometimes we want coaches and players uh, to repent. Repentance is deeply embedded in our understanding of right and wrong and the way things ought to be. So, Even though we won't always admit it, repentance is actually something we desperately need. So tonight, we're simply gonna look at two aspects of that, the why and the who of repentance. First, the why. What is repentance? It comes from a Hebrew word that simply means to turn or to return. It causes us to change direction In Greek, the word suggests changing your mind, which then results in a reorientation of the direction of your life. It is the natural response of sinful creatures to a holy God. God's holiness is kind of like a blizzard. If you grew up in Maine, like myself, or other uh, northern climates, uh, you will know that snowstorms can be beautiful, but they are also quite dangerous. They are fascinating to watch, but fearful to drive in. And the more we understand God, the more we both are fascinated by him and should rightly be frightened by him at some level. If not, we're not really wrestling with who he is. We're like the person zipping along the road in our SUV, heedless of black ice or of snowdrifts, until we skid off the road and hit a tree. Really confronting who God is, is that kind of that sinking feeling when you're turning the steering wheel and that has no orientation to the direction of the vehicle in which you are going. In the New Testament, the good news is repeatedly summarized as simply a call to repent. John the Baptist says, Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Paul Uh, speaking to people from outside of Israel, says the times of ignorance got overlooked, but now he commands people everywhere to repent. Peter, who wrote this passage, uh, preached one of the first sermons of the Christian church and said at the end of it, when people asked what should we do, he said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. In this passage, he is urging repentance to change the way That we live. You see that specifically in verse two prioritizing God's will rather than our desires. It's also at the very heart of the preaching of Jesus, who said at the start of his ministry, Repent and believe the good news. And who, when he rose from the dead and summarized the good news, and as uh, he was about to launch, his disciples into the world said that the good news could be summarized as repentance and forgiveness of sins being proclaimed in his name to all nations. It is so basic that the author of the letter to the Hebrew Hebrew six says it's an elementary doctrine that I don't even have to say anything else about. You should know it uh, so well. And yet we often misunderstand it uh, even as followers of Jesus You think, okay, well, I'm a Christian, I've repented, I've done that, that was fun, now I'm done, on to other things, but the New Testament calls us to a repentance that is ongoing, lifelong, everyday part of spiritual growth, and you even see this, Peter's writing to followers of Jesus in this passage, and still calling them that they have to consider how they need to change the way of their life. So, most famously, Martin Luther, repentance. And he said, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. There are no exceptions for any of us, it goes for every one of us every day. But who is repentance about? It's serious business, sin is serious business. And we can't get around the evil that is in all of us by shifting blame or making excuses or blaming the circumstances, because that's what we all tend to do. It's what I tend to do. When we do that, we're saying that the evil in us, the sin in us, is a small thing. And God says it's actually quite serious. In fact, God is on the side of the people that we hurt with the things that we do, One another. He says it's so serious that the only way out from under it is an exchange of our guilt, our penalty, to someone else, to the person of Jesus. And that's where we must always be returning. A few years ago, Rebecca and I started using the phrase put your own oxygen mask on. If you've traveled on an airplane at any point in the last probably 50, 60 years or so, you have probably heard the flight attendant give you these safety instructions. If the oxygen masks drop down, uh, don't scream, but instead just put on your oxygen mask. If you're traveling with small children or passengers who require assistance, put your mask on first and then help those around you. At the time, we started picking up that phrase and using it for ourselves because we're in the middle of parenting little kids. They weren't yet nearly as self-sufficient as they are now, and so there was always something that needed to be done, and we would get through the middle of the day and realize, I feel kind of lightheaded. I feel like I'm about to fall over, and we had skipped meal or meals, or we had not slept. We were sleep-deprived, and... We needed to take care of our own basic life necessities before we were going to be able to take care of the people that it was our job to take care of. In the passage when Peter calls us to a life of repentance, notice the why. He points to something else. Since Christ suffered in the flesh. Talked a lot about repentance. This is not something we can do alone. We don't do it well. Spiritually, we're the little kid passengers in the depressured cabin. Jesus didn't just put on an oxygen mask in order to take care of us. He put on a flesh and blood, real human body and existence, even though for him that meant becoming mortal, the one who was eternal. So that verse 6, the good news, could be proclaimed to the spiritually dead and dying. On Ash Wednesday, we remember our mortality, a mortality that Jesus, the Eternal One, took on himself for us, so that men and women and little children like us, who will sooner or later all be dust and ashes again, might one day assume Jesus' everlasting resurrection life. And because of that hope, we can set our desires aside now, even though it feels like those are the things that would really satisfy us, even though setting aside the things we want to do at times feels like dying, we can do that because we know they'll never give us everlasting life. Only the death and resurrection of Jesus does that. That is our hope. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. We hope that either through or in spite of the human messenger, you heard the gracious invitation of God to the abundant life of love and service found in the transforming person and work of Jesus. If you've been encouraged by this podcast, please take a moment to rate, review, or subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about our church, check us out at libertymainline.org.